Hi everyone, welcome to the very first Agonas podcast. Uh, I think we're going to call this Agonizers. Is it Agonizers? I think Agonizers or Agonized. I think Agonizers, I slightly prefer that, so we're going to go with that. So, yes, uh, I am Rick, I'm also known as Remy77077, or just Remy. And I am Nathan, also known as Navandorn. Um, long story behind that, but I won't go into it now. Yeah, we'll give a brief intro though to Agonis and what the site's about and even the term. Um, what do you think Agonis means to you? <laughs> to me, it's a, it's a way of life. It's a way of, <laughs> a way of being. Uh, I, I do know what it means. Um, I think you can go ahead and explain it. Okay. Well, I was, sorry, that was, a, that was a setup, obviously, to see what you thought. Um, well, uh, Agonis, I think, hmm, the word Agon, it comes, I'm not going to explain it all. I put some links in afterwards as well. I think that's the one thing I found. I, if you've read any of my articles on the site, you probably notice I like to put a lot of links back to material I've written before to not repeat myself. Um, and yeah, so I put a link to our about page that explains it really fully. But the term Agon is, is this type of play as identified by a writer in a book from the 1950s, actually. That's how long ago it was, before video games were even a thing. And Agon refers to games of competition or um, a contest or and arguably you can get into challenge as well um, because you've got, well, there's a lot more types of games these days, but so they kind of fit under that category. So um, I think it's, it's a, also in ancient Greek, it's the, it's the actual um, fight of com competitive yeah, it, fighting. It, yeah, it's a, it's a competition, yeah. So, um, so I, got on, I, I immediately struck a chord with me when I was reading about this. Um, actually, it's, it can, I found out about this stuff from a writer called Chris Bateman, who is on our links. He writes for International Hobo and works for them at the moment. And he's also a university lecturer and things like that. Um, very interesting guy. He actually posted an article just this week uh, explaining, more, again, back to some of the basics, actually, that I first first encountered this term. It immediately struck a chord with me. This, this was um, how the sort of games I found the most interesting. And the term games itself is such a wide umbrella term. Um, and then gamer as well has become kind of what does that mean really if you say you're a gamer? Um, so where did the term first get used in relation to gaming? Well, Agon. Agon. Yeah. It's, it's literally only in sort of these these books from this book from the 50s really oh, that's, right. that's the only thing um I, i've not i full full thing i've not read the book i think right. i might so have it I've before even pong yes yeah. before even pong it, it he was just writing about it. it it was it was obviously he included sports under that same thing mm. well, there's lots of articles written these days where they argue about what does game mean and all this terminology and um chris bateman again he's excellent he he I agree with him completely in that it's kind of a useless thing to get into to try and say this word means this and should therefore mean this. It's like how language develops, it becomes to mean what people use it for. Um, so again, yeah, I agree with that. So gamer doesn't mean very much. He might he uses a term sometimes called uh, game hobbyist, which is again fine. It tells me that you like to spend a lot of money on games. And spend a lot of time on games of some kind yeah. but it doesn't tell me anything about the kind of games you like to play and why you like to play them yeah. um, 
So yeah, so Agon the turn struck me as that's the kind of thing that I actually get really interested in. And so we, we both, I think, I think but you, I'm probably more of a pure Agon I, person. The games I've put the most time into would be the ones which instill that, that sense of um, Agon, or what's the other term? Fiero, isn't uh, it? Yeah, or fire. The, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Fiero. Fiero or Fiero. The, 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 I guess, the emotional response to getting into a competition and wanting to beat somebody yeah, in, in these games. Um, or even beating the system, beating the actual that's, game. So yeah, the challenge. I think the definition of fire is the, is the, is the emotion of the uh, triumph over adversity. Yeah. So that adversity like, is that could come from a competition, from, from an actual game against someone else. Or it could come from, in, the, in these modern days, it could easily come from the video game designed to make itself challenging for the player to get through that sequence yeah. or level or boss or whatever. But in um, terms of what I identify with, it's much more on that sort of side. But I think I've got a lot more um, just sort of experience games when ones you just play for yeah. the time time wasting. I think, that yeah, that, that's what I was getting at. I think, I think we're both... I have oh. played through Baldur's Gate 2, for example. <laughs> <laughs> We're both gamer hobbyists as well. Yeah. Um, I think we both spend a lot of time in games that aren't competitive as well. And but I'd say I'm, I'm probably less inclined. I think you play, you play probably play a wider variety of games than I do. And mm. I get pretty focused on the ones that really, really interest me. But I think um, we both come at games, well, where we match is we come at games... We, we don't have much free time, so when we do spend our time to play games, it's quite focused and what we want, and we will analyse it, we will say, is this game worth our time? And, and, and you have to have quite a lot of self-awareness of what it is you enjoy from a game, what you want to get out of it, and then match that up to what the game's actually giving you. So mm -hmm. this is why we have a lot of these conversations about why, what it is about games which we enjoy, what makes them good. Yeah. Um, yeah. From a very... We're trying to get it as objective as possible. Like subjectively, yes, we enjoy these types of games, but from an objective, if you are a type of person who enjoy Aegon games, objectively, these are the ones which have that instilled in them. I think that's probably where we cross over. Yeah, yeah. Right, so the reason we decided to do this podcast uh, for the first time um, was some exciting gaming news recently, and specifically about fighting games. Oh, please do tell. <laughs> fighting so, games is our forte. Street Fighter Five, right? Is that the most exciting thing that's out that I'm excited about? It would be if there wasn't other news <laughs> from, from your bosom, buddy. No, I wasn't. I wasn't too really excited about Street Fighter Five. No, what, what I'm actually excited about, and the thing that inspired me to want to. Um, talk about it was a fantasy strike fighting game. Um, so, yeah. Finally, we've both been excited about this. Yeah. So, David Serlin and Serlin Games, he's announced that he's begun to work on a fantasy strike fighting game. Well, it's not quite what we perhaps were expecting originally, or even perhaps what he was expecting. Um, but I was going to come back to that later. Um, again, I'll, I'll put links in as well, like alongside this podcast when we when we post it to explain all the links about what that game is but we'll explain a bit on the thing as well um but i was going to talk about what our history is with fighting games 
Um, what we've played in the past, what we're playing now, what we're interested in before we come into the context of this new new games that are coming out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could shall I explain mine first? Yeah. It's a lot simpler (laughs) and shorter than than yours because I'm I'm quite a late newbie to fighting game scene. I mean, I I did play back in the day on the ZX Spectrum Street Fighter version one, but I never actually got into the fighting game scene until. Um, Street Fighter HDR, which is about when I first met you, and you said there's this thing with fighting games going on. Mm-hmm. When I used to play, I used to be an FPS shooter player all through and through. Um, but with some training and some some um, well, a lot of hand holding, you managed to te- get me to a <laughs> fairly okay standard of HDR where I could actually compete somewhat and not just get my ass kicked at the bottom levels of gameplay. Um, and yeah, that, that's where it started, and it's almost where it ended, because HDR, as we know, has essentially failed, it's come to an end. Yeah. Um, Street Fighter Four took the baton from that, and, and has been running with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, trying to learn Street Fighter Four, um, I will be trying to learn Street Fighter Five when that comes out, but that, again, that's the Fantasy Strikes fighting game which is the one that's that's made me cream with my pants um so that's that's my history of fighting games but i love it as a genre the the competitive nature of it the level of skill and the depth of yeah fighting games entails and the immediacy of it is like nothing else you don't rely on anyone else's and you do first person shooters which tend to be team sports it is just you versus somebody else and who is the better player yeah. And that's what I love about it. It's just that I'm always not the better player. <laughs> so it t- can be tiring. <laughs> some, sometimes, sometimes. It's the struggle. It's the struggle it's to better struggle. yourself as well. But I mean, then you feel yourself get better, don't you? That's, yeah. I think when I met you, I think we, we, both had, we both had a background with a lot of competitive games, yeah. as we talked about earlier. But we played very different games. Yeah. And I think we've actually kind of actually sort of got closer together mm. in, in taste with games. Like I've now played much more competitive first-person shooter games and even a little bit of RTS and things like that. Whereas, in, and then I, but I, whereas I was, my background is really from fighting games. Yeah. So I played, uh, in a, actually wrote a review of Street Fighter 2 HD Remix. I'll put a link up to that, which explains quite a lot of my history of why, how I got into fighting games. But it, yeah, and, and how my tastes changed over the years of playing them. I've played every fighting game since Street Fighter 1 in the arcade, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and international karate and all these old ones, and then Street Fighter Two, of course, blew up, and that was that was just as I was really getting into games. Mm. Um, and yeah, anyway, so I've played virtually every fighting game really. But it was basically <laughs> it was, from from what I remember from that article is it was your trip to Japan that really sort of made it sink in. That's yeah. I I I generally was that kind of um, something Serlin's talked about in the past, I think, as well that the cult of the new. Um, so I was very much that kind of player who was just, yay, the latest and greatest fighting game. I'll play every new one and every single one's better than the last one, obviously, because it's got more characters and more moves. And like, I didn't really can stop to consider were they were that, how my tastes were affected by that. But also again, in that I explained my, my, my comp, my competitive scene was virtually non-existent. So whilst I was incredibly into fighting games all the time, wanted to compete with people, um, Growing up in the UK, in the middle of not nowhere, but nowhere near any arcades in the UK, which is essentially only in London, really. That's the only place that's ever had much of an um, arcade scene in the country. Mm. Um, being nowhere near London, having no way to get there, um, 
as a teenager, um, my competitive scene was always reduced to a handful of friends. Yeah. So, and when you finally, when you learn how to beat them, it's very hard for that to ever turn around. Yeah. I got so, that sort of stand with Mortal Kombat when it first came out. Like I would just kick everyone's ass in it, and that's as good as I was going to get. If I ever played anyone who was action, you had to play anything. They would just mm-hmm. hand it to me. It's just I was better than my friends, which wasn't saying very much. Because yeah. I, I owned the game, <laughs> and I think yeah. that's sort of, and and you probably had the same experience being mm-hmm. really into it. Luckily, I had a, always had a few friends that also owned the games. Oh, right. also okay. So I mean, we did we did challenge and we got better and better and better competing against each other. But this we still never pushed the limits of those systems in those games. So at the level we were at, everything sort of seemed fun. But, but there was, let's say, there's two big t- turning points. Was Street Fighter Zero Two Dash or Zero Two Gold, Alpha Two Gold mm. was uh, a, a tragic game for me in a weird way. That was the first time when I actually found things were changing in a way that I didn't like in fighting games. Okay. And I, but again, I hadn't quite pinpointed why it was. And then, as, as you alluded to, uh, I've explained in that article, which I'll link. It's going to Japan, um, being able to play an arcade for days <laughs> um, and uh yeah just uh, found that uh, partly partly again it was i could compete better at street fighter 2 um and i thought it was just that I, I thought well is it just because i'm better at this game but i didn't i didn't consider myself better at street fighter 2 mm. um it was just that suddenly i was seeing high level play in all these other games which i i, I was aware of um, I'd read a lot online and things like that, so I wasn't sort of the oh I'm the bedroom I'm a bedroom champion I'm the greatest at, at, at Street Fighter or whatever. I, I was always quite aware that there was another level of play mm. that I wasn't reaching. Um, it was just when I saw it, did I find it interesting or not? And when I saw high level play Street Fighter Two in Japan, I thought this is actually great. I'm really enjoying this. And whereas the other fighting games, I started to slowly enjoy less and less. Um, and then eventually, years later, figured out why. Um, so yeah, uh, what fighting games were into recently? So you mentioned HD Remix. Mm. Um, I think I think saying it failed is a bit unkind. I would say that um, I was saying more the the game itself has failed. Um, I can go into the reasons why I think it's failed as as a game, not as. What it does, I think what it does yeah. is almost perfect. I love it as a fighting game. Um, it, it, it has not kept the audience enough to, that the player base is large enough for it to stay competitive. Yeah, I mean, the the thing for me that's... I was very competitive at H2 Remix as much as I could be. I got more and more into it. I was playing online. If you check the <laughs> links on our site, you'll see I, I used to run tournaments uh, European-wide on, on Xbox Live and things like that. So, and I've obviously attended a number of tournaments. My, I, I, I won the first tournament I ever went to um, and qualified for like a bigger bigger event in the UK. Um, I suppose my highest point was I got in the last eight at the what was the then and probably still is going to be ever be the, the biggest sort of European. Well, isn't it, was, it was in London, but there were players, plenty of players around from, from worldwide and Europe. Um, I got to the final eight in that, and I got lost to Pierre Balrog, who's mm. a professional player who's quite well known. <laughs> so well, um, become become far better known actually since that time. So yeah. yeah, so I always like enjoy watching him on streams and things like that. 
Because um, they say, ah, you're the guy who managed to beat Remy. <laughs> that competition. It was really close as well. Um, yeah, he, 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 I think Harris, he three-toed me in the, in oh, the, wow. in the, on stage. That's pretty damn um, good. It was, and it was last hit stuff in the last round, as I like to do things. DJ versus Balrog, I presume. Uh, no, he played Chun-Li. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> DJ versus Chun-Li, which is, which is quite an interesting matchup. Um, but he's such a good player. I mean, he obviously he's not an HDB mixed player. Special speciality is mm. he was a Street Fighter Four player as a professional. Um, but he, I, I think I got two one up or two nil up. Anyway, I, he pretty much definitely could see the download thing that people talked about. Like I, I definitely had a massive edge on him mm. at the start of the game, and then he gradually figured out more and more and more of what I was doing, right. and adjusted his play much better than I did. Um, so yeah, that handed it to me, outplayed me, yeah. <laughs> but it was incredibly good fun. Anyway, that's all that. so I was really enjoying HD Remix, um, and I think we won't go into too much of the history of what happened with it. Um, I'm still, what what's happened now is a lot of the big tournaments in Europe, UK and Europe are now playing Street uh, Super Turbo ST. Um, I'm I'm trying not to make retching noises at the moment. Um, I I'm unable to play that just because I was never really involved. And when I play what I would consider a better version of the game, which is HDR, because a lot of time was spent by um, by Serlin in terms of rebalancing, getting rid of things that didn't work, making things work better that that were needed to be made better, <laughs> made it a better game. There's there's that's a very deep conversation we can go into it another time, mm. but. Um, it was, I think, reason why people play ST is it all sits on nostalgia. Yeah, and I think that's a shame because I think I do genuinely think HDR is objectively a better game. And um, we've, we've even heard the ST players saying yes, but they still want to play ST. Yeah, I, I think a big part of it, it actually lies with Capcom. Is the problem? Um, Capcom really didn't push that game in the manner they could. Uh, was this from your discussion that you had at that competition, actually, yeah. with Eskil? With Eskil, that's Seth Killian. Um, it's quite interesting. Again, I, I'll post a link, because I've, I've made some comments in the past about uh, the time I got a, a very long chat with him, actually. Um, I was quite quite cunning in my approach, as I am, to this sort of thing. You so, were not beat him over the head with a hammer and <laughs> dragged him off somewhere. No, I, I wanted to really get... Because he, he, the time he was essentially a PR guy for Capcom. Oh. Right. So he posted a lot. He, were, he, he posted on Capcom Unity and all this kind of thing. Hmm. Um, and and then I'd read... So sometimes I'd read things that he'd written in the past. And then I sometimes read things he was coming out with now. And it didn't it didn't kind of gel. Um, I couldn't... There was a cognitive dissonance with this guy, right. having knowing what I knew about him as a person, you know, an internet personality, whatever, just things I'd read, and then the things I could see him saying as part of his job, I could tell that he didn't always necessarily believe it. This I, I posted an article when he when he left Capcom saying I fully expected this, strangely, because yeah. I just felt that he was being pulled in different directions that he didn't want to be pulled in. I, I, um, I, in preparing for this podcast, I, I looked at a, a couple of videos of him doing interviews with people, and you could see him like really wanting to say something else that wasn't the party line, but you yeah. could see that he wasn't allowed to say <laughs> it. He was being so diplomatic in basically saying it was shit, <laughs> or he didn't agree, <laughs> or with he didn't agree without it. ever saying 
Yeah, no, he's, I mean, he's a really great guy. I, I hope this doesn't come across as negative or slandering in any way because I was completely impressed by him. And, and but, well, what I did basically, I, I, I caught him kind of in a very quiet, I, I waited until he was in a quiet location away from, not that there was press and cameras and things there, mm. but, you know, if there was a big crowd of people, I thought, you know, the pressure, he can't say too much, someone's going to maybe re-recording him or whatever like I mean the, the Daigo was out at this tournament it was mm. you know a, a lot of the big names were there you had you had um, Ono from Capcom as well oh, um, right. producer Street Fighter 4 you had Harada from the uh, from Tekken team um, um, from Namco so yeah there was you know there, it was for a UK event this was pretty pretty huge deal um, but yeah I basically caught him having a cigarette mm. <laughs> outside the venue in a quiet corner so he was trying to have some chill time so I kind of just approached him in a chatty, casual way, um, got him to sign a thing for me. I'm not actually interested in his signature, really, or anyone's signature. I've never really seen the point, but it was uh, it was mainly just as a as an icebreaker thing. And um, yeah, I just I think I managed to get him, which is what I wanted to do was just get him in a nice off guard kind of. I'm not here. I'm not trying to. You know, I want to chat with you, but I want it to be a chat. I want to hear what you really want, mm. what you really think. Um, <laughs> and again, he, yeah, he was still being very polite about things. It's a very, very nice chat. But um, one of the things that I was asking about was kind of the ways that these games get made and how Capcom operates. And it's like, why, why did why did HG Remix not get released worldwide and in Japan? And why did Capcom essentially not promote it? Um, and it. it, it basically boils down to racism really <laughs> it's mm. as silly as that but it's just Capcom Japan was like no this is a Capcom America product um, and they've got like they're massively they're just siloed so badly within the company yeah um, and this, it, this this boggled my mind when you first told me I just assumed <laughs> it was worldwide and it was the thing was only last year you said no it's not in Japan said, no what? But no wonder it didn't work I mean if no one else has been behind it we're not the big fighting game culture in the Capcom, West. Capcom seemed to just want to make a quick buck out of it. It's mm. only an Xbox Live Arcade title, um, much like they re-released Hyper Fighting and then they've re-released lots of their other games. That's true. Um, it, it is just kind of, these aren't their big promotional ticket items. Maybe they should focus on them more, I, I don't know. They, they recently, I know Capcom's finances have not done that well and something they've announced in one of their recent um, sort of financial press releases, was that they were oh we need to focus more on doing HD makeovers and things like Resident Evil HD and things like that. They were they're actually pointing out that a lot of their revenue was coming from those sorts of things rather than well, it kind of shows on Steam, doesn't it? There is a new, um, <laughs> new um, Devil May Cry is Devil May released one of the versions of that exactly. Um, so, so I think that's. I think they've now kind of realised that, especially in this day and age where AAA games are costing so much to make, mm. if you've got this back catalogue of popular titles and you can re-release them, um, spruce them up a bit, potentially. Um, but there's, again, there's still this kind of, um, perhaps, I don't want to say a quick work attitude, but they clearly... They're not necessarily putting the work in. I, I don't. I don't follow all their games, the HD remasters, but I know some of them. Some HD remasters have had very poor reception and things like that. Mm. So again, I think again they they're, they're often trying to not throw away, but they're not. They don't. They're not given the emphasis internally that a Street Fighter Four or a Street Fighter Five is quite clearly. No, um, and you wouldn't expect it to, but you, you throw somebody like like David Serlin at a game with. 
the way that he approaches game design and the rest of it with such a tight budget because I think this is it was done under a, quite a small budget yeah to I think it was other things but it's not about the big graphics it's not about the other thing it is about making games better I mean you could almost if you could call Street Fighter HDR not a Street Fighter game it probably would have been more successful just for that, but unchanged. I don't know. It's it's a hard one to say. Keep it. But you won't be able to keep it the same because all the characters need to be as they are as well for the flavour of them. But uh, I think we were going to see from Fantasy Strike if this is actually going to be the case. It's going to mm. be just his work. See, on on a fighting game, how is the balance going to work in these other bits? Um, but yeah, coming back to the ST point. Um, so nowadays. One of my issues with playing HD remixes, because the competitive scene at large has moved away, um, and I do think that they're playing ST, which although I enjoyed playing ST, it's a big backward step for me. And I was particularly Im impressed by all the changes. I think one of our one of our friends made a comment the other day about how he gets sick of all the kind of super turbo BS, <laughs> as he puts it. And I, I mean, I did say that you know a, a lot of those things are still in HD Remix, but mm. they have all been toned down. Um, they're generally easier to stop that. I would still say perhaps that the there's still certain elements of that game that aren't ideal. It's not the perfect fighting game by mm. any means, but um, it, it still was better than ST, and ST just seems like a backward step. I don't understand. Like, Well, the, I do understand why. I think, as you said, this, the reasons are nostalgia and, and Japan. So mm. it's ST is still, unfortunately the worldwide standard for Street Fighter 2, not HD Remix. Yeah. And if Capcom had got behind it in that way, that could have become the worldwide standard for Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, you don't release it in its country of origin. Mm. <laughs> You're never going to... That, that, that's really what stuck the knife into the competitive scene. So what are the games? So we mentioned Street Fighter Four a couple of times. We both do play a bit of that, I think. Still. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, like to play more because I do know that Street Fighter Five is is coming. So I'd like to again get my get my levels back up again, so I can actually play some games and not lose ninety percent of the time. Doesn't take much, but to get to that fifty fifty win rate, so you are playing at your level, is still a bit of a barrier to entry. But it takes some practice. But that's why I like these games because you actually have to practice. You have to go and read up on it. You have to go watch some high-level play and get advice from friends who are good at it, looking at you, Remy. Um, and then, then it becomes much, much more enjoyable because there's all these other bits that you can do around the game. I think the biggest reason to play Street Fighter 4 is uh, something you alluded to there, that you've got the biggest pool of people playing it, um, who some of whom will be, there'll be a much greater number of newer players. Um, and you've also got pretty decent matchmaking so even though I've written a lot about some issues with the system although most of that was from Vanilla Street Fighter 4 and it has things improved have, a lot it has improved a, I wouldn't say a lot I'd say really? it's slightly better some things are slightly worse actually um, the, the, the lots of new 
things have been discovered, lots of new options to lax. There's the, the I mean, and then there's a try and counter that with the slow wake up system in Ultra Street Fighter Four. Right. But th there's lots of things mm. that are pretty much a wash, really. Overall, I think it's. Well, the only the, thing I compare it to is that when when I I've only played Vanilla Street Fighter Four and Ultra Street Fighter Four in Vanilla. I had a similar problem with Street Fighter HDR that I was only playing people who were much better than me, so constantly losing. Street Fighter Four Ultra, when I started playing it, I think we had a much bigger player base, so I was playing. I was getting much more competitive games. I actually think that's due to the matchmaking. Um, well, you're playing on PC as well, right? Yeah. So I think there's two things. I think that the PC standard is probably a bit lower than the console standard oh, you're for right. whatever reason. Because be fighting games, although now it's becoming the thing on PC, sort of becoming the standard. Um, historically, consoles have been the place to play fighting games. Okay. Um, so I think that's a factor still slightly in the um, on these games. The other thing is the matchmaking that mm. has massively improved. Well, that's the request feature. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much the only way it actually works. Um, when you do use the fire request feature, you do get the situation where you can be sat there with a game lobby essentially open to for challenges or for you to challenge behind the scenes and you're not doing it directly. If, if you're going to play a fighting game online right now, it's still probably the one I most recommend purely because if you're not at a top level, you've still got a pretty good chance of playing people that uh, near at your level in skill. Yeah, definitely. That's um, the bit that's, that makes it worth playing, in my opinion. Yeah, despite the fact that you might not want to be fully competitive at that game because you might not be fully to your taste, let's say, mm. um, given that it's got some pretty crazy execution requirements that are way beyond what I can do, um, even though I've been playing Street Fighter for 20-odd years. Or, um, so, yeah. Uh, well, the other game we could consider that I think we both enjoy uh, is Dive Kick. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, but... How could we forget Dive Kick? Have you played much Dive Kick online? No, no it's all been local co-op with, with you guys and friends, so I don't know what their matchmaking online is. I've tried to get into a, into a game a few times, and never managed to find anyone to play that. It. Yeah. <laughs> like after after ten minutes, I gave up. You kind of defined one of the big issues there. For whatever reason, it's never developed a big online community. That's I don't think they've helped themselves with the way they've done the online system. It it makes it makes HD Remix look luxurious by its facilities. <laughs> really. Um, it's, I'm not surprised. It does look like quite a budget indie game. Yeah. The. the well, it's got pretty good netcode. They use GGPO as the netcode. Oh, right. Um, as long as you get a decent ping match, mm. it, it works fine. One of the problems, though, is if you if the ping's bad in dive kick, I mean, all fighting games are pretty much unplayable at a, at a, at a, at a ping over... Mm, I, I used to try and keep under 100, but 200, yeah. I could probably say, is playable, 200 milliseconds. Yeah, playing from Greece, when I started getting into HDR and all the rest of it, 150 and was was what I was used to. And it was playable. Yeah, and still ideally you want under 100. Yeah. Um, dive kick is spectacularly unplayable, though. Um, at 100. I don't need... Well, I, I, can't, I can't remember the exact numbers, but certainly in, in bad lag... You you have because because of how simple dive kick is, you're responding so much to your opponent. Yes, this is true. That if you can't see where they are, by even a, even two hundred milliseconds, yeah. 
you just can't play it. Uh, I mean, you can play it, but it becomes a, basically a kind of luck fest because you, both of you just pressing buttons and you can't, neither of you can see where the other one is. <laughs> I, I No, I can see why that would happen. I'd, I'd have to say as well, the way they've marked the dive kick is almost like a joke game as well. Yeah. But it's not, it really isn't. No, it's, it's actually it's, an excellent game. It's an excellent game that's got depth, it's got complexity, it's just, despite the simplicity of it, it, it does play like a proper fighting game. Very, very cut down fighting game. Yeah. But a, not a lot, but enough of the things you need to think about in terms of zoning and reading the opponent and all those sorts of things are there. They're in the game. It's still down to just dive yeah, and kick. It's very much about spacing um, and a little bit of Yomi. And, and and there's a lot, bizarrely, there's actually quite a lot of execution, but it's it's you've got so much control with most characters, at least. You've got a massive amount. You may only have two buttons to press, but you've got a massive amount of control over them. Mm. So, for example, in Street Fighter, you jump, you're on a fixed arc. Yeah. You can't, well, apart from characters with, hey, with dive kicks, <laughs> most characters can't control their angle of descent. But in dive kick, obviously every character has a dive kick. So suddenly you've got that huge amount of control. And that, that was actually where the joke started, was that um, the joke was in Street Fighter games and in many in many Capcom fighting games, specifically Street Fighter 4, um, always, and Street Fighter 3, any character that had a dive kick instantly became a strong character because mm. they broke the rules of the jump mechanics in Street Fighter which is a pretty big thing yeah. so suddenly they have a, a huge offensive weapon that most characters do not have once you leave the fall in Street Fighter and this is the sort of thing many people don't think about when they first pick up the game they like to jump around like crazy yeah. <laughs> it's a known thing um, yeah but in Dive Kick there is a lot of execution because um yeah, you, you can any you, single character can control their jumps. So mm. you can do incredibly small jumps, incredibly big jumps. You can do big risky dive that kicks across the whole screen. You can do very short control things. Um, but again, and a lot of it is predictive. The, I think they say the, the two problems why it's it's a fun game, but it's got some limitations. The the online system, as I say, is very very bare bones. Mm. If you go into a ranked match, you are seemingly in a pool. Like you don't have to create a lobby or search for a lobby, so that's a good thing. Um, but it can take a long time. It seems to take quite a while to match you. So I think, I think there is. I think it's trying to do skill-based matchmaking, but they just never develop because there's no way to see how many people are online. Mm. You can't play against the computer while you're waiting, which is a critical function that yes. it desperately needs. Because I really, it's actually quite a good fun game against the AI as well, yeah. because the although the AI, I don't, I don't know how it works, it seems fairly random, but you can learn quite a lot, and, and it's certainly enjoyable to play against the AI for, for a limited amount of time at least. Um, that would have been superb if you could, if you could be waiting for a match mm. whilst practicing against the AI, rather than sitting there literally... Listening to lobby music and it sounds like lobby music just to really rub it in. It sounds like you're in an elevator. This could be this could be uh, applied to so many games though. If you could be playing the game while you wait, and then it just interrupts your game when you find when it finds an opponent, you're much happier to wait for longer. Cause the the more um, constraints you put on a matchmaking system in terms of ping and skill, yeah. those two things means you'll need to wait longer. It's just by definition to find yeah. somebody within your parameters. So I'm much happier to sit there and wait if I'm actually 
doing something like playing the game. I could go away and bake a cake, I suppose, but well, <laughs> I don't want to. I want to be sat there playing the game, which is why loads of stuff. I literally place. used to read books and magazines, newspapers, whatever. Um, I suppose these days you could have your iPad out or whatever, yeah, <laughs> or, you, or your tablet or, or your there's phone. This, what I mean, but it's still ridiculous that you're problem. wanting to play a game and you're doing anything but essentially. There's not that many people who have your sort of dedication to be wanting to sit there and fight somebody yeah. and tear them to pieces. Most people get <laughs> bored until they get to that point. But um, I mean, sort of going back to what we were saying before about the executions things that even Divekick has it. Mm-hmm. I think Divekick, and I'm and I'm hoping this is what Serlin is going to be trying to do with his new game, is that some people do like the execution, some people don't. They like the other parts of it, and Divekick almost has that. So you could play one of the characters like Dive and Kick where the specials are simplified so mm-hmm. at its purest level you are just doing the Dive Kick how it first was designed for and then you get more complicated characters like Eskill and, and Baz where they've got these weird other arcs that they can follow and then you've yeah. got at the far extreme end you've got um, Stream now Stream's you say that yeah. his execution is getting the perfect flight pattern of his thing as cause he, since he can adjust his his angle of descent constantly yeah so he can he well he can double double dive for stars double jump exactly uh, he can then yeah he can change his angle of his kick depending on how much he presses it he so maneuver so it in both directions he, yeah the, the the potential execution levels there is yeah. pretty high and so looking at yomi you've got um you've got that kind of built into the card system where you've got the combo based characters mm-hmm. and then you've got the non-combo based characters none of their cards combo um, think of Lum, for for example. So I'm really, really hoping that when he comes out with the fighting fantasy strike fighting game, he will cater not cater a little bit for that. So somebody who doesn't really want to be able to combo or have any execution skill will just be able to use it at his basic level. We'll go into what that means in a minute. Well, we can explain it. That's yeah. So. Dive kick has very difficult execution, but hang on, I'm only pressing two buttons, right? Mm-hmm. So the difference there is it's, and again, this is this is in my HTML oh, yeah, review, yeah. Um, but it's the it's a it's what is a contested skill. Okay, yes. So we're going to define here now <laughs> what what it means execution, as opposed but, to input execution. Well, they're both. There's 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 as different ex- kinds of execution in a fighting game. Yeah. In most modern fighting games. Um, we're certainly going to mention this when we come to Street Fighter Five, and my thoughts on that as well. Um, but yeah, there's execution where you're manoeuvring around, you're in, in the neutral game, as some people call it, or footsies. Basically, both your characters are free to move back and forth, um, which you, you obviously are in Dive Kick, with the, with the movement strange in that game, but you can still manoeuvre your characters in a risky manner. Um, and then it's you're having to respond, you're pressing buttons and doing moves, but you're having to respond and think about what your opponent doing what timing you're pressing. You might be only pressing a single button like in Dive Kick, but you're having to think about when you do it and the exact moment you do it. Mm. Um, as opposed to, I've just hit you with the start of a combo, okay? You, what you do now doesn't matter. I know there's blue bursts in, in, in Blaze Blue and things like that, but for the most part in most fighting games nowadays, once you land that first hit and you're doing your combo, it's a one-player game at that point. Yeah. So there's a, again, there's two types of execution. There's the two-player execution, yes. <laughs> where you're both having to. It's a contested execution, yeah. and then so it is a contest against your opponent. And then there's the 
Then there's the one player stuff doing combos where it's solely a test of can you do it. Yeah, it, um, it essentially turns, you've said this in one of your articles as well, it essentially turns into a rhythm game at that point. Yeah. Can you then do the rest of the inputs to finish your 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 combo? A lot of, now, a lot of people do like that. This, this is what Serlin was referring to as his execution tax, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I, well, I think so. <laughs> that's, that's how I've read it anyway. Um, but that, that's the thing. A lot of people will go, oh, yeah, but that's what fighting games are about, is doing this complicated stuff. And, yeah, they they are at the moment, but the older games like Street Fighter 2 and even the intention of games like Smash and certainly games like Dive Kick... Um, they're all. They are actually more about the contested execution skills mm. than the uncontested. The combo system. It seems as being this this move towards execution tax over contested execution or t- contested skills. Um, so if if we're looking at Street Fighter Four, for example, the the large 60 percent combos that you can do if you're good enough. Yeah, and it comes down to that if you're good enough. And unfortunately, they've also got the thing is if it's if you can start a combo with a simple hit. Yeah. So let's take let's take the example of, of like a, a light punch. If you can go, if you can link from a light punch into a hundred percent combo damage, maybe that common hundred percent combo damage may be really hard to do. That it takes ten thousand hours of your time to be able to do it, but eventually you can do it. And you can do it a lot. Yeah. And then you play against everyone else in the all the noobs in the world who can't do it. You're going to win every time until you find somebody else who can do it. Then what does the game come down to? It's who, who can land that light punch exactly. So that that's the point. That's that contested skill thing again. The actual then the contest has just become who can land the light punch. Yeah. After that, it's a rhythm action game. Yeah. It's and not really a fighting game anymore. <laughs> exactly, and and that's the bit that I don't like about Street Fighter Four, which I've struggled to get past that barrier to because every time I get hit by a large combo and thinking, well, that's great, but actually what you've proven is that that, that first hit mm-hmm. was great. That build-up to that first... You managed to read my... You managed to out-yomi me. You managed to do zone me into a correct position to get that first hit, and I really enjoyed it up to that point. Whatever damage you did after that, I've got no interest for. I may as well go and read the book because... <laughs> You've not tested the skills which I think should be in fighting games. Yeah. I think it's difficult. I, I do think it's a matter of taste because um, I know some people really enjoy that kind of stuff. And, and, and when I've written about this in the past with Street Fighter Four and the types of execution it has, um, some of that stuff I do just think is a matter of, A lot of people really enjoy doing that. And that I enjoy doing it to an extent. Like I certainly think there's, a, there's room for a number of different combos for characters to have. So you might have some more damaging combos, you might have some that knock the opponent down or end in a different positioning, and things like that are interesting. Um, and certainly there's some counter mechanics and things like this, and burst mechanics. Mm, I feel they're like patching over the whole problem in the first place, though, because uh, I, I won't get too much of them. I'm not a huge player. I've never had a chance to play competitively at any of their games to have those kind of burst mechanics where this is where your opponent's doing a combo. Mm. You don't have this in Street Fighter Force. You might not have come across it, but you're, you're being hit by a combo and you can input an escape command that but essentially again, gets you out of that combo once. So you can generally only do it once or twice in these games. I do agree with you. I think there needs to be a way to escape that combo and I think there needs to be it, I'm not saying the combo shouldn't be in it, 
I'm saying that the execution needed to pull out a combo is not needed. Like if you could do the same combo <clears throat> with one button press. Okay, let, <clears throat> gonna take another example. If imagine you're watching Daigo versus, I don't know, name another high Street Fighter 4 player. We'll go for PR Rog since <coughs> I mentioned him earlier. There we go. We've got Eduardo, Eduardo Perez, I think is his proper name, but yeah. Yeah, and you're watching them play on a big screen, you're sat in the crowd, and they, they do this amazing match with combos and large hits and the rest of it, with the execution level needed as it's currently needed. And you go, wow, that was brilliant. I could never pull that off. And then you take them exactly the same game, but you give them different sticks where all the buttons that they need are just on single button presses. They don't mm -hmm. need to do all the in input with the sticks. So, so you've got a macro button. So you've got like macro buttons that they can just press the buttons. Massive combo A, B, and C. Yeah. <laughs> but you watch it, but you as a spectator, you're watching it. I don't think the game would look any different because they, they already know how to do it. They are, they are, they are. From doing it on a button. The decisions that they're going through in their mind of where they need to be and the rest of it is still happening. They're mm -hmm. still pulling out the combos. They're still getting them, their opponents to the right positions. I don't think it's necessary for them or to know that even that they're putting in and a one frame link combo thing into something else. The argument, there is an argument here that does that would say at Street Fighter 4, at the top level, you do see drop combos and things like that still. So you do see mistakes. Um, but I think it would be more an interesting mistake that if you, rather than because you didn't put in the inputs correctly, is that you did it from the wrong distance or you, you mistimed it. Yeah. Or Again, you it's chose, not... like, if you, you can balance the game by making it so that you a high-risk, high-reward system. So they need to get in to do that amount of damage to start that combo. But it didn't work because the person did the counter to that. Now that decision to do the counter because it was a risky, in uh, like uh, yeah, actual yeah. attack, that would have more immediacy, I think, than somebody whiffing a combo because they got the input timing wrong. Yeah, it can actually be deflating as well because you'll see someone coming in and it's like, oh, they've won the game. Oh no, he's dropped his combo. I oh, know he's lost, and it's kind of well, he should have won. It comes down to that mm. contested skill thing again. It's like. If you wanted to just watch two players do their best combos, and whoever does the best combo wins, yeah, you don't need need them to be sat down next to each other. This is the thing. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not the contested part of the game. Mm. Um, and I want to clarify here as well that we're not talking about simplifying it. We're simplifying the game. We're just talking... I'm just talking about the execution tax. You're not making the game simpler by any means. If anything, you might be making it more complicated. Because suddenly there's all these other levels that you need to be thinking at. Well, this yeah, this this comes down to where is the depth in the game? Is it in the decision making, um, or is it in the execution? Mm. And oftentimes, by making one particular option that's very very hard to execute, but always the correct decision, right? Yes. You can, there's different kind of depth there. Like the decision making has been simplified. So, mm. oh, well, I always do this really difficult combo, right? There's, there's no decision. If I can do it, I'll do it every time. Yeah. Right? Because Whereas, it's safe, for example. Yeah. It's often yeah. made safe. One of, the other, one of the other big problems with Street Fighter 4 is that, well, option selects stuff are an issue in these games where mm. an option selects essentially is you input a certain set of commands and due to where the game engine works, multiple outcomes can occur. 
and you're trying to get the input such that the best outcome will always occur. So you do the same command set, yeah. but you'll either get a block or a throw tech, for example, in the case of what's known as a crouch tech in Street Fighter 4. Um, uh, is that what it's called? I've actually read about it today. Did you read about this thing? But they've actually found, because I, I didn't realise this in Street Fighter Five. they tried to get rid of crouch decks. They have tried to. There's a there's some news that they may not have succeeded quite this as well as they think they had. About, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll try and leave Street Fighter Five till later. But, okay. but Street Fighter Four, yeah, crouch tech. And, and weirdly, there is... So, the, the basic mix-up game you think there's in Street Fighter, that's certainly in Street Fighter Two is are they going to hit me or are they going to try and throw me? Okay, so if you think your opponent's going to try and throw you, you want to be trying to input a command to escape their throw, all right? Or you want to be blocking, mm. okay? So they're the two defensive options, essentially, is try and defend against the throw or def block to defend against the attack. Yeah. Um, and that should be a bit of a gamble, right, on the defender's part, which, which one do I think my opponent's going to go for? That should be a decision. Um, and that's the intention of most of these games. It's the case... Um, say Dead or Alive has it very obviously and it's a kind of paper rock scissors thing which a lot of these games come down to and also Yomi does it in, and it can in be a very interesting time. decision as well can be, you put in super bars and reversals there's a lot of like yeah it's not paper rock scissors it's incredibly weighted so that's where that's where it becomes interesting um, in Street Fighter 4 however you've got a pretty perfect option select defence which will allow you to both block or throw escape, depending on what your opponent does, yeah. in many situations. It's not foolproof, but in a lot of situations, it's a very, very powerful way to defend. <laughs> so, so you go, well, hang on, that mind game's gone. Weirdly, it hasn't, right? Because there's actually a counter to, to these option-select defences. So there is actually oh, no. a counter to crouch text, which is um, um, these uh, gaps in your links. And, uh, I, I won't but get again, in, we're getting into... Well, we won't get into the technicality of this, but again, what you've done is... You've taken the base level of what would have been the what would have been the mind game. You might have kept the mind game, but you've now massively put an execution layer over. Can you do? This is now no longer can you block or throw tech, yeah. right? It's now can you crouch tech and can you put in a, the correct inputs from the offensive guy's position to counter that. Yeah. Basically, and you've basically made no all of that incredibly difficult to do. Yeah, you never normal. You would never just block anymore. No, because the no. best, the better decision, and if it's always the better decision, is always to do a crouch take. Yeah, in most cases. In, yeah, yeah, in most cases. In, in that, in that, yeah, in that example. In Unless you know your opponent's really good at doing these frame traps. So you've taken, you've taken all of that decision layer away, which that's the bad part of all. Of well, you can, you can actually argue in Street Fighter 4's case, the decision layer is still there. You've just added a massive complexity to the execution to both do the to both defend against it and to attack against it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's pretty complicated. Well, uh, sorry, anyway, I still want to go about Street Fighter Four. So we like some things about it, but it's not quite ideal. Dive kick seems like it should be more to my taste, but the online system's not very good. The other problem I have with it is that. Um, it's very matchup heavy. Yeah. Um, they they did a huge patch to it to make it less so, but it's, there's still matches where you. This is the situation where you've got what people call like an eight-two match. So they go, well, if two top players play against each other in ten games, and they're exactly of equal skill, these character one character is so much stronger than the other one that they probably win eight out of eight out of the ten games. Mm. 
purely because the character's that much better. Yeah. And this is two evenly matched opponents. Um, now, you can counterpick, you can pick a different character. There's the thing, there's still a game there, but it, when you're in that particular match, it's pretty boring. That's well, isn't this what happened with Street Fighter Alpha with Chun Li? Oh, Street Fighter 3 was Street Fighter 3 particularly was a problem for, for Bans. Well, basically, characters. the only character ever worth playing was Chun Li at that point. The, 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 the joke is Street Fighter 3 because there's three characters that are worth playing. There's, there's actually characters. a couple of others. But right. Yeah, and, and again, people still argue about this and they go, oh, well, yeah, but these are these characters that have got untapped potential and things like that. But I, I still feel that the balance is not there at all in that game. Yeah. Um, with... But with dive kick again, it's it's an issue when you get in one of those matchups. Um, you, certainly, there's things you can do, but it's it's not so satisfying to play. It does make um, it a potentially good game less good because of the there being less balance. Yeah. It reduces the, the number of options you have. We yeah. we talk about viable options quite a lot in the in the blog. Yeah. Uh, when we so when we were playing dive kick though one time we I did a I did a couple of little fun tournaments just for, for local friends in the area one of the, and we we talked about how could we what could they do if they did a dive kick two for example and and we actually joked I made it I think I made up a game called dive kick walk block throw <laughs> yeah so we added sort of um, a few extra mechanics on top of dive kick and thought, wouldn't this be interesting? Maybe that's what they're thinking of doing. And I do think a lot of dive kick is kind of going to be stagnant now as well because they've essentially gone, well, that's dive kick done. With They're onto the team. I think the team that did it are working on Killer Instincts and things like that now. They're, oh, really? Okay. They're, they're quite a good studio these days. Mm. They're doing quite well. Um, but yeah, so we, we theorised, wouldn't, wouldn't it be interesting to add a few more mechanics to dive kick though? What would that be like? Um, and this comes back to why we do it. What we the news about this Phantom Strike fighting game, um, essentially that's kind of what it sounds like. It's very much like this game that we that we thought up and joked about. Um, again, I'll put links to the to what this if you want to find out more about it. But this is uh, David Serlin's idea was essentially to have you, a fighting game where you can walk towards and back, but you you don't need to press up or down. So you've just got left and right. It's the idea is to make it playable on both a keyboard or uh, a control pad or mm. a joystick. So it's a very simple control scheme. And then three or four buttons. You've got a jump button. Um, that's seen as a big entry barrier, actually. Something I've never particularly struggled with because mm. I was used to playing Street Fighter from, from youth, basically. So pressing up to jump has never been something I found tricky, but it is something that a lot of people will accidentally press up quite a lot. Um, and accidentally jump quite a lot so they want jump on a button much like dive kick has um, and then an attack, one or two attack buttons and then a special button and then he's also talking about having a throw mechanic so back would be walk backwards or block um, towards um, an attack when you're close would do a throw and then your special button will do special moves like fireballs um, or special throws or special attacks that go move a long way forward or something like that um, or you can press and there'll be some kind of meter mechanic. So again, there's quite a lot of extra, extra stuff going on here. The Fantasy Strike fighting game does sound very interesting. This, 
Serlin, if you listen to his podcast, he says that they originally had an idea that was going to be more like Street Fighter 2 with a bit of Blaze Blue thrown in, and it was going to be quite a complicated fighting game, but again, it would probably be, it would try and be accessible much more so than other fighting games. But after playing Dive Kick, he said that they thought they could go far more simple. Um, they did a great little scattergraph, where, and they talk about it as well, where they go, well, hang on, so the simplest fighting game is Dive Kick, and then what's the next simplest one? It's probably Street Fighter 2 World Warrior or something. Mm. And and it's still a huge gap. Yeah, like, There's a huge design space there between Dive Kick and Street Fighter 2 um, in terms of you know playable competitive fighting games. Yeah, we're so, talking about modern fighting games. I well, guess, modern well, Street Fighter Two isn't really modern, but it's still it's still played today. So let's say mm. fighting games have stood the test of time. Let's yeah, put it that way. Um, so there's still there's, there's, so there's a lot going on there. They're adding they're adding um, obviously moving your characters, um, some kind of poke game which Dive Kick has of a sort, but it's obviously interacting with your movement, which this will too, but in a very different manner. Um, exactly how they'll balance it all and things like that and how they'll manage to make it interesting remains to be seen but the concept is still great basically this sounds like a very exciting game I have to say it probably wasn't what I would personally go for um, I was we've both played quite a bit of Yomi which is um, his card game which distills basically a fighting game into a turn based card mechanic um where you have a double blind uh, reveal of your combat option of attack, blocks, dodges, and throws, and it's a simple paper, rock, scissors thing at the basics, but in advanced play, you get into combos and you get into all kinds of weighted odds and reading your opponent, and it's a fantastic game in its own right. Um, you've already got that for no zero execution. Um, so I was hoping that a Fantasy Strike fighting game would essentially have everything that's in Yomi, but in a fighting game form. Um, this clearly isn't going to have that. It's going to be more like, say, if you, I don't know if you've ever played another game he's done called Flash Duel, which is again a, a simplified fighting game on a in a on a tabletop board game style system, um, where you, in that game you simply pick numbers of attack ranges. Um, and there's a little bit of special abilities as well that come in um, for different characters. I guess this is going to be more like Flash Duel, the fighting game, uh, than Yomi, the fighting game. Yes. So it's starting... So you, I, they'll still use some of the... I'm sure they'll still use the same characters because they're fantastic archetypes, um, and that's what they were designed for. But I don't think it's going to be a fully-fledged um, fighting game in that manner. And again, that would be getting towards Street Fighter 2 level of complexity. Yeah, I think what we were hoping for was definitely Yomi the fighting game rather than Flash <laughs> Duel the fighting game. Yeah, well, they, which I hope he still leaves that option open it's in still the future. very early days, isn't it? It was only a few it, weeks yeah. ago when he was just when he was still asking for his the, like Patreon funding. He's hoping to start. And I think it seems like they've already started. Uh, yeah, it sounds like they've got it. They've got some kind of working demo that he's been actually been able to something that's playable to an extent. Oh, already? Okay. Um, yeah. So, so if there was Yomi the fighting game or Fantasy Strike fighting game that was much more complex. I started thinking, what would my ideal game have been? Um, and I 
do think it would probably be simpler than Street Fighter 2. Um, Street Fighter 2 still has some really difficult stuff to do with reversals, and it still has some pretty difficult combos, which I think you could simplify a lot of that even further. Um, for example, special moves, do they, would you, you could put special moves just on a single button press, just like you're going to get in this game, um, but rather than just having one button, one special, and they've talked about perhaps having an air special and a ground special, but you could have one button and perhaps a direction, for example, um, to do, or, and maybe you could hold the button down or release it more slowly. So uh, I was thinking if you took, say, Grave, who's a Ryu-type character, but he's Grave in, in Fantasy Strike World, um, he's got uh, three special moves he's got in, in Yomi and two super moves. So he's got... Um, He's got a fireball move, essentially lightning cloud. He's got a dragon punch, dragon, which is called dragon heart, and he's got a whirlwind kick, hurricane kick kind of equivalent move set. Um, you could have, say, special and forward would be your dragon punch, special and down could be your fireball, and special and back could be your hurricane kick. Mm. And then maybe you'd have special and up to do something else, but that would have, if you had up on the joystick, to would be jump, so maybe that would be a bit difficult because you might miss and jump your character up. But that, that was the kind of level of sort of, I was going for Street Fighter 2, maybe simplify it to three buttons, but you'd have crouching, you'd have, um, you'd certainly have, like, a good number of normal moves. For example, in Yomi, most characters have five different types of normal attack, so, mm -hmm. um, and then this game could have, if you only have three buttons, you'd have sort of three standing attacks, you might have overheads, like command normals, where you push towards and do them in different moves. There's, there's, all that stuff, I enjoy all that in Street Fighter 2. I think there's a certain amount of intuitive learning which happens at basic levels when you first give a joystick to somebody with six buttons, where there's, and you could even simplify it down to four, but the difference between a punch and a kick, it's obvious, we can kind of associate that with our own bodies and ourselves, and then a lighter, less damaging, short-range one, and a heavier... Maybe the range is irrelevant, but a heavier yeah. or more damaging attack. So that immediately you give it to somebody, it's a simple thing. The execution barrier, the learning curve for that is minimal. It's it like does, yeah. No, I, I remember instantaneous. That you when I very first played Street Fighter, that instantly makes sense to you. you. Go, okay, well, I've got this light move that I can do. It's low risk. It's quick. Or I can go for this like slower, heavier, riskier, more damaging attack. Exactly. Like, and there's your decision between the the risk versus reward. I will show you the heavier attack and do more damage, but it's slightly more risky, unless you've set up a situation to mitigate the risk. And that decision making and how you get into those positions is kind of almost the essence of fighting games. Yeah. One of the things that interested me about the way he's uh, Serling's planning to do this game as well is he's, he's also planning to have throws on towards an attack. Now, there's lots of good features of that, but the one downside that I've never seen mentioned before is that um, <laughs> accidental throwing. Now, once you know what's going on, that's not a problem. Like, I don't think anyone's gone, oh no, I accidentally threw my opponent in Street Fighter. It's, it's a non-problem once you understand the game mechanics. Yeah. But I do think it's it defeats what you were just talking about there. It goes against that learning curve thing. The intuitive part. There's not... So you go, well, I've got all these attacks, and then sometimes I'm throwing my opponent, and I don't get why. That, 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 that is... There's a lot of downsides, a lot of the problems in modern fighting games and option selects come from having button two-button throws. 
But the one thing where I think they're superior is in that, okay, I meant to do a throw now. Yeah. Right? You have to make a conscious decision to do that throw. Whereas in Street Fighter 2, at, at a really low, really beginner level, you will accidentally throw people and not know why. Or at my level. <laughs> <laughs> my, my entire strategy, playing with Fei Long, who was my main, was to rush down, get them in a corner, and be holding forward while pressing any of the punches, kicks, and whatnot. Because either an overhead medium kick would come out, or a, or a spinny throw thing. Right. So, or, so it was just basically I didn't care which one came out because as long as it hit, that's what I wanted. What well, we'll call it the flash duel fighting game. That's since we seem to have landed on that term. The flash duel fighting game sounds really. Really interesting and fun, um, but again, I would probably prefer the Yomi fighting game. Yeah. Um, just because I'm familiar with fighting games, but I definitely think there's a huge amount of room for that game, and I think it sounds fantastic. The other thing that I'm really hoping is we talked about it earlier: matchmaking, ranking systems. If the Yomi and Puzzle Strike already have an almost perfect system, you can play against the computer while you're waiting for matches. Um, the only slight downside is you can't decide if you're the type of player, again, we, we touched on this earlier, and we said, yeah, okay, if you go, well, I only really want to play someone who's got a very good ping to me and a very good close skill match to me. As you said, it might take a very long time for that person to come online. Okay, they might never come online. Now, you might be perfectly happy playing the computer for the whole duration, for an hour, like all night, like, you might be in that situation. Um, why not give the players the option? Right? No game, as far as I'm aware, does this. Yeah. Um, Street Fighter 4 actually kind of does to an extent with Fight Request. Um, I've had it on a very, very small filter. Uh, just on, like, I only have, say, local regions for a good connection. And I have it on skill match. Um, and when I've been at certain rankings, point, like certain levels of skill... That I've waited all night for a match, even when there's lots of people playing. And if I go and search for games of anything, there are plenty of games going on. So it does it does do it to an extent, but perhaps not enough. And again, why not let the player choose? That, that that's the thing. I know it's added complexity, and many new people won't understand it. But it doesn't have to. Be, maybe just have three options of go. How bothered are you? <laughs> like yeah. by this? Yeah. How you know? Even if you don't show them all the under the hood complicated mechanics of matchmaking, like the average player isn't going to care about whether it's working on true skill or elo or this kind of thing. So yeah, if if you're allowing the person to choose their settings, that's what I mean. Starcraft Two definitely had a thing where it would start off with trying to find someone with a good ping and a good skill match, and after a while it would go, okay, I'm going to give up with that and I'm going to give you anybody. Because yeah, it, it assumed that you didn't want to wait longer than however two minutes or whatever it would wait for. Yeah. But again, that's a pretty big assumption to make on the part of the developer. And this, but in that game, again, you were just sat in the lobby. You were just waiting. You couldn't do anything in the game, mm. which is a shame. Um, but if you've got that type of game where you can be playing something else, playing against the computer in training mode, whatever you want to be doing, at the same time as waiting for a match then why not allow that person to wait as long as they like? Yeah. Again, I think that that's the only improvement you could make. But bar that, the ranking systems and matchmaking systems on well, on both StarCraft 2 and on um, 
unfantasystrike.com website, so that's all their games, which is uh, at the moment Yomi, Puzzle Strike, and Flash Jewel, I believe, has the same system. Mm. Um, that is excellent. It's so good that you could take almost any fighting game that exists, drop it into that system, and I've instantly become far more interested in it. Uh, oh, another point to make that, um, again, I've raised this on discussions with Sterling before on the forums that is so good, so good that his games do it, is it's character-based as well. Oh, so yeah. if you're yes. an excellent player with Ryu, but you're a very bad player with Kami, and you play with, pick to play with Kami, it will match make you on how good you are with Kami. Not, yes. not some weird average between all the characters you happen to be playing, yeah. uh, which I come a massive cropper of in Street Fighter 4, especially Ultra Street Fighter 4 when the character roster is enormous, far too big. Because <laughs> the problem, I, I can see it from the developer's point of view, if they say, well, the problem with that is that you'll have a person who's really good and they'll be playing noobs because they've only just started playing with a new character, but they might be like in the top 100 in the world, but with that new character, then they'll be at zero again. But that's only valid in a small population of players. If you get it right, mm. I think automatically you're going to have a much larger population of people who will be wanting to play online because all of these online, um, the things that make it fun to play online everything we're talking about now, would keep people playing your game for longer, which then ups the population, because like that's the way the population would work, which would make the matchmaking work better, which would make it more fun, which would bring more people to the game, and etc, etc. Et yeah, exactly. Get any one of those wrong, and you're going to have a trickle-off. There, there must be this sweet spot of when you get everything right, that your population grows rather than shrinks. I think there's there's always a lot of other factors involved. Um, I know like uh, StarCraft Two hasn't been so successful now compared mm. to things like other game other games like League of Legends and things like that have stolen some of its audience in a way. Um, but that so there's there's other factors involved. But like Dive Kick is an example. Why am I not sat online playing Dive Kick all the time? Mm. Because it got very very annoying to do very quickly because of not having any of these features we're talking about. Yeah. Um, whereas had they had them, I would have probably played ten hundred times more dive kick than yeah, I've played online. I'm exactly. The same. So, yeah, there's certainly a population of players that will be far more inclined. How many that is, I don't know. Mm. But there's certainly a population of players in our, with our type of interests who are going to be far more interested to play that game just because of having these sort of good systems. So that sounds really exciting. Um, so the game we haven't talked much about is Street Fighter V. Mm. Um, I think it looks alright. I was really, really not bothered to start with um, until a lot of footage has come out. The recent E3 footage got me a little bit more interested. Um, graphics look nice, speed's been improved, but it does essentially look like more of the same Street Fighter IV. So Street Fighter V... Again, hopefully, they'll use and improve the already pretty good systems of matchmaking in Street Fighter 4. If they did that character-based, I mean, they've got it there already. Mm. Um, so, and hopefully, you'd hope they look at things like StarCraft 2 and even go as far as that. Um, and the big thing that really got me excited was cross-platform play. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that is such a fantastic idea. You need, again, for all these competitive games to work online, you need as big a player pool as possible to get as big a skill range as possible to mm. make everything better. Your matchmaking works better, your ranking works better, people don't have to wait as long. 
big player pool, absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, so cross-platform play is wonderful. Um, you don't want to dividing them up with DLC. And let's, I don't know how Street Fighter Five again, this makes you nervous because oh, yeah. what happened with Street Fighter Four and every other Capcom game, you get Street Fighter Four, you get Super Street Fighter Four, you get Super Street Fighter Four Arcade Edition, you get Super Street... At least then they did it right. Then they did Street Fighter Four Arcade Edition and, and then the 2012 patch, which would you got, you could get, and you were still playing the same game. Um, but again, it's it's an issue that we again. There's a whole issue with monetization of these types of games. Well, games like Yomi and and Puzzle Strike and the rest of it, I think they've shown. Well, and Hero Hero Academy, they they've explored these other ways of paying for this sort of game, and I do think character packs and the rest of it like the 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 more options of ways you can make people pay is the future for these for the longevity of this and i would love to see in street fighter 5 that they gave you the option to just buy a few characters but let's say you say i want to buy ryu mm -hmm. but it means you bought ryu for all the different versions for the ryu. for the yeah for the entire life of that game or, that. or as an example or because you're only buying one it's it's five pounds to buy them but then as an upgrade to Ultra Street Fighter V, it's only a pound or two. I mean, I always, I'm happy to continue paying for a game mm -hmm. in terms of thinking it as a subscription if I'm invested enough in, in the game and there's, the, and there's interesting enough for the bits that I am paying for. I don't want to be paying for a costume pack, which well, is essentially an upgrade. It, like, let's say if they force like Super Street Fighter V and it's going to cost this amount, but actually it's mostly just cosmetics mm -hmm. I don't want to pay for that but then suddenly I'm cut out from playing against people who do want it well I imagine with Capcom games they do they do add stuff I mean they do add characters they rebalance so it is it is like a significant change I'm not like we say we're not begrudging having to pay for it mm. I'm talking about the problem that suddenly you've cut your player pool in half yeah. so instead of having all the Street Fighter 4 players all playing the same game you've now got two separate games you've got the people that have upgraded to Super Street Fighter 4 playing one game and you've reduced your population size probably yeah. that, that's definitely an issue there is actually one game that's doing a model a payment model similar to what you're talking about which is Killer Instinct oh, right. um, which again is adding cross-platform play mm. um, now it's coming to PC as well I think it'll be Windows exclusive though, because mm -hmm. uh, it's Microsoft. Yeah. So, uh, but that's now going to have cross-platform play from the Xbox One, or Xbone as we like to call it, mm -hmm. um, to to the uh, to PC Windows Ten. So, and that has the payment model. I think you can actually play for free uh, with one character that's on a free character rotation no, right. system, much like how Fantasy Strike works in the browser version. And again, you Fantastic. can buy characters. And they have seasons, and they add patches, and they add new characters periodically. Yeah. Um, and Heroes of the Storm was doing the same thing. There, there's there is issue. Well, Heroes of the Storm's got lots of other issues. We won't get into right now. But, but that payment that payment model could could work in some types of games. Mm. I don't think it'll work for Heroes of the Storm for other reasons. Just I'm talking about the rotation ones. I'm quite I quite like that entry level. You can play a certain amount of the game. Yeah, um, Yomi as well. You can just go in and you can play on the browser you play version. The browser version, yeah. Um, there'll be some characters you can play for free. You can not. You'll never be able to master it because within a week, is it? It, it, it rotates changes. characters every week or two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So at some point you'll go. Well, I'll actually go in and buy, which is essentially what happened to mm -hmm. me. I think. Um, obviously, waiting for the Steam one to come out, and then I immediately bought it. But it was enough of, a, of an initial investment that it I, pro it probably helped. 
build that initial base of players that you need, the critical mass, mm. to in in a multiplayer competitive only game, you need to be building the community. You do. Um, as again, and I know there's like there's always going to be lots and lots and lots of other factors. Mm. I don't think Yomi's ever built a, as big a community as it's got right now because of the Steam release. Yeah, and that is that was a critical thing for them to do mm. to get more players involved and graphics and features and lots and lots and lots of other things to do with that. But so that that all that all factors in. Um, but yeah, street. With Street Fighter Five, hopefully they'll do a good job of that kind of thing. Um, I don't know though. There's there's things that make me feel good about it. They again, but it, it all sounds like Street Fighter Four again. They're making a lot of noise about how they want to make it more accessible, um, but then it sounds a little bit worrying. Uh, again, I'll add a link into some of these things. But there was an article I found where they were actually interviewed. I think he was the president of Capcom, so essentially a business person, mm. not not someone who was excited about the game. Okay. They were actually talking about how we're going to make money off this. Um, and they were talking about pay-to-win features, essentially, where somehow a new player could... It may have been something lost in translation, I don't know. It's a very vague article, but it does... And they, it, but even they pointed out this sounds very worrying because this sounds like what they attempt to do with Tekken Cross Street Fighter... So it's there's there's a precedent there, but they're perhaps thinking of trying to move towards this type of system where you pay money, you get a more powerful version of your character, um, and therefore you can win more. And it and they're trying to sugarcoat it in a kind of oh this would be a way for newbies to have a attempt to play more experienced players, but it won't uh, be. Well, Everyone well, will just buy the top. Well, you potentially then have to buy those characters if you want to compete. Welcome to the dice battlefield premium bullshit <laughs> thing that stopped me from playing that that those games. My God, that broke FPSs for me. Who knows what they'll actually do? I, I don't want to. I think it's it's obviously early days. Again, though, we talked about Crouch Tech earlier. Um, Street Fighter Five. Uh, this uh, I think it was PR Balrog who we mentioned before. Again, I think he he. There's a the story that he's actually found a Crouch Tech technique. Oh yes, and Street Fighter Five. It wasn't as good as it is in Street Fighter Four. It sounded like it's difficult to. Do. They might get rid of all this. It's all patchable. This is not even. I don't know if you can count as an alpha right now. Yeah. But clearly, the thing is not there. Yeah, um, it's time yet for them to patch that out. If that is the case, since they have been saying that they don't want to have that sort of tech going well, they on. They say it, but they don't actually ever do it. And Capcom, I mean, they've got an incredibly bad track track record with this. Cause mm. Every game comes out. And then stuff's found, and then they attempt to layer perhaps more systems on to try and power, like get rid of the problem, if you like. It's, um, but rather, they're all band-aids. Rather than actually solve the problem, not have the problem in the first place, they kind of band-aid, band-aid, mm. band-aid to try and mitigate it rather than actually get rid of it. Um, which doesn't seem to be a sensible way of doing things, really. No. Um, but that, that's unfortunately the way Street Fighter Four developed over time. And maybe five will as well. Um, the other thing is that we talked about this earlier. <laughs> a, I don't know if you've come across this phrase before. Hit confirm fighters. No, I've heard that stuff. It's it's actually this is what we were talking about earlier when we talked about uh, contested skills and and you talked about landing a light punch first and then suddenly so you've gone from a very safe, very low risk attack. But actually, you can do a huge amount of damage off it, right? 
So you do. So it's called a hit confirm. So you, you're trying. You're fishing for an opportunity to use these light, fast, safer tanks and then combo them if you can do that combo, which is the big issue for perhaps a player like me. I always struggle to do this. Um, you mentioned Street Fighter 3 and Chun-Li, classic example. Um, once she's got a super meter, she can combo and hit confirm her crouching medium kick, which is incredibly fast, incredibly good poke, and she's got really good walk speed, which assists with it. Um, she can combo that into her super for a big chunk of damage. And essentially, that's all her super's ever used for. It's a hit confirm move off her medium like crouching light kick. So medium crouching medium kick um, into super is the is the main gameplay with her. And all of these games, um, assuming they have these massive combo systems, they all become hit confirm fighters. Yes, okay, and you I can actually understand what you're talking about. Right, you can act, and and people have used that phrase to to describe most modern fighting games, and mm -hmm. it's really true. Um, it's that example of what I was talking about with the hundred percent combo. If if you can, if you can macro that, if you can macro <laughs> that, and you can do it off of a light punch, then that game becomes about landing that light punch. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, although Street Fighter Five looks like it's moving in that direction, if you watch any footage of tournament level players playing with Birdie right now, that's exactly what they're doing. Yes. They're trying to land the crouching light punch with Super Meter so they can do over sixty percent damage combo. Mm. And yeah, there's a when that's not happening, the game looks pretty interesting. It looks way too fast for me. I don't know. There's a there's obviously a lot of lot of execution going on, but they are. When that when these hit confirms aren't available because the meter's not available, for example, or the situation doesn't really allow it, the game's actually quite interesting. Yeah, it's looking more like Street Fighter 2. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And they've even unbelievably simplified a couple of move inputs and done exactly what HDR did. The big one, <laughs> the big one is Cammy's hooling and roll. Really? Can you believe it? They finally realised that HDR was right all along and they've changed Cammy's hooling and roll to a quarter circle forward motion, not the ridiculous tiger knee motion that often ends with you accidentally jumping. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, hilarious. I mean, I can do the hooling and roll in both ways, but mm. I find it far more fun to not have to worry and not have my execution tested yeah. that much just to do what should be a simple move in her arsenal yeah if, if you lose a, a an encounter or even an entire game because you got the input wrong that it's what was, is it deflating was the term you used for that it's yeah it's it's fun it's not very hype <laughs> yeah. and it's not even if i beat somebody and i can see it's because they whiffed something i don't feel like i've beaten them and we're going back to the agonis thing the, mm. the fiero i want to know i've beaten them because i outthought them that I outplayed them not because they made an internal mistake they, they made the right decision if I'd forced that mistake then great yeah but often these sort of like getting the, the that um, dragon knee input wrong yeah. is you know what I mean okay uh, very high levels Daigo's levels they're never going to get it wrong like one in a thousand they might might do it wrong but at, our, at my level at your level it's true Fighter 5 right now, the, the players are new enough that there's quite a bit of it still happening. Mm. Um, and again, if, if, if you listen to the commentary, what the reaction of the commentators when Daigo drops a combo is yeah. a groan. Yeah. It's a deflated it's a groan. groan. It's not a, wow, that was that was interesting because you messed that up. I mean, there, there is a bit of interest that he dropped it, but it's, it, it's that. It's not excitement. It's a groan. Yeah. Oh, wow, that so, could have been... That could have been something great happening, but it's not. And 
And they might why even start making excuses for him to sort of say, oh, he's new to the game and uh, he doesn't know what's going on or it's hot or something. I don't know. I don't know what they might do. But yeah. the game I watched, they were making, they did make an excuse for him basically saying that he's new to the game. Yeah. But it was an execution error that he'd made. Yeah. But so far, I mean, it's still, it, it has potential. I can't say it doesn't. It looks like, it's kind of, look, half of it, look, half the time I think, oh, it's just more of the same, it's more Street Fighter 4. Then I still think, well, there's still hope. Like, hang on, maybe they're going to get better matchmaking this time, cross-platform play. Um, some of the decisions, some of the points in the game look quite interesting. I like the idea of having this speed meter and having unique, more unique moves per character to try and differentiate the characters more. Because hmm. by the time you get to Ultra Street Fighter Four and you've got a humongous roster, and half of that roster is. Hmm. People like them because they like those characters and they're incredibly great. Capcom, Capcom designed fantastic characters that people like those characters. They like the look of them, they like the voices, they like the mo- That's fantastic. But if you look at it at a game level, half of those characters are not necessary. They're adding nothing. Like mm. People, they're adding stuff for fans. They're fan service characters, if you like. Yeah. But Street Fighter Five sounds like it's going to pair back the roster. But going going back to the this new V-meter as well, I've, I actually got quite excited by it because it, it's a simple EX thing. It's just the two hits, two light, um, light punch, light hit, light kick, medium punch, medium kick, and same for the hards. Yeah. Um, but to do something that's very, very different between each character, and I think this adds a lot to the gameplay, and it's easy to do. It, it is easy. Well, it's about when you should do it. It will depend character. if it has advanced uses, like the, the the basic concept of a focus attack seemed okay in Street Fighter Four, but then you actually see what it ended up being used for, yeah, which is this true. ridiculous kind of combo piece that everything yeah, yeah. becomes combo pieces. And this is this is the thing with hit confirmed fighters again. Um, one of the one of the things I look for is how what do super moves add to your game? Hmm. Are they just a combo piece, right? Are they just a combo ender? And Street Fighter Five case, yeah, they pretty much all are. There's only character that hasn't that I saw any interesting use of a super move was Nash, who was using it as a kind of long distance anti air. So Nash with meter has a interesting option that they do not otherwise have available without meter, right? Hmm. But the vast majority of the time, it's still been used as a combo piece, so which lends this hit confirm get style gameplay. Yeah, I've not seen that one. I've I've seen a game with Dictator, and because he's got a meter of three, right, as opposed to two for the other characters, he's very very slow at moving around, and needs meter. But then once he's got his meter, then he can suddenly. Oh, he's it. got the teleport type motion. Yeah, yes, all, so all these other things, which I think that adds an interesting decision tree. It, it could doing. do. It could do, but it could end up just being this is the way you play it, and there's not that much decision making to be made. Yeah, if it's just another sort of essentially execution tax to play dictator well, you need to be able to use those super moves. Or, oh, yeah. Or, 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 I don't even know what they call. Um, then you may as well remove that bar completely and let them do it without do it that by bar default. because <laughs> you're always going to do it if you're always yeah. going to do it if you can do it if you're always going to do it yeah um yeah it it remains to be seen with a lot of that but the basic idea of having more different characters sounds good it's got potential maybe they'll patch out this birdie stuff it, birdie's obviously one of the newer characters to come into the game they've probably not really finished his design so hopefully they'll fix a lot of that hmm. but it did seem very uh, uh rush downy as well um and some of the execution already looked really, really tough to do. Mm. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But it's got potential. But certainly the Fantastrike fighting game 
is the thing that I am I'm very interested about. I'm interested to see what happens with Street Fighter Five. Interested to see what happens with all this cross-platform play. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's looking like it could be a good time for fighting games coming up in the near future. Yes, it does. Thanks for listening. Yep, thanks for listening to the, our first attempt at a podcast. Hopefully it went all right for a first attempt. If you if you found this interesting, let us know in the comments on where we post it, and uh, we'll try and do more of these. Or if you've got something you'd like to hear us talk about, also give us a shout. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>